Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. It's time to attention, I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're in the midst of a cold snap. Parts of the country have even had their first snowfall of winter. But there's nothing chillier at the moment than the diplomatic relations between the UK government and the United Arab Emirates. This morning, British PhD student Matthew Hedges is currently languishing in a Dubai prison, having been sentenced to a life term for spying. The Essex native might have been naive to think that doing a thesis on military security inside the UAE after the Arab Spring... Uh, but he surely doesn't deserve such harsh treatment. On the other hand, calls for diplomatic ties to be severed and sanctions imposed by Jeremy Hunt, the Foreign Secretary, are surely way over the top as well. Why should we expect every other nation in the world to do what we tell them? Why should we expect every other government to behave as we do in the West? And what on earth gives us the right to dictate domestic policy to sovereign states around the globe? We'll be talking to Crispin Blunt, Chairman of the Commons Foreign Relations Committee, who's demanding an end to military cooperation between the countries. 0344 499 1000 here in the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, we will do our level best to bring some calm uh, and some kind of solution to this particular problem. Coming up later on in the show, we'll also be attempting to bring peace to the roads after the powers that be have decided it's a great idea for cyclists to spy on motorists and submit their helmet cam footage to get them tickets and fines for parking in cycle lanes and for driving badly. Has the world gone mad? 0344 499 1000 plus will be joining the fight to say Bungle the Dog, uh, who's a lovely little puppy who's been caged for no apparent reason. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, there's nothing quite like the Daily Mail getting itself into high dudgeon uh, about all manner of things that go on around the world. It's taken a slight change in pace lately uh, since the new editor, Geordie Gregg, has taken over from Paul Dacre. The headline on page five of the Daily Mail reads this. How could this brilliant British student be locked up for life by a kangaroo court in just five minutes? Well, it's a very simple answer to that. The kangaroo court in question is in the United Arab Emirates in Dubai, a place where British citizenship means absolutely nothing. It is a country which is not governed by British laws. It is a country which is governed by 
its own laws and it is a country which is perfectly enabled and uh, possible to make their own decisions for themselves. Now, this is not a happy situation. Clearly, uh, Mr Hedges is suffering from depression. Uh, He doesn't deserve to be locked up for life. However, I think we really need to take a step back from where we are right now and say to ourselves and to each other and to our government, we can't go around the world dictating policy to people. We can't go around the world telling them how to treat our citizens. Let's face it, we've still got diplomatic relations with Saudi Arabia, who, by the way, uh, have more or less admitted to murdering a journalist from the Washington Post in one of their embassies in Turkey. So the idea that we're going to break off diplomatic relations with the UAE seems to me to be a nonsense. Let's talk, though, uh, to Crispin Blunt MP. Uh, He is, of course, uh, a man that knows an awful lot about this situation. He's calling for an end to military cooperation between the countries. He's chairman of the Commons Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, Mr Blunt, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. Um, I was chairman of the last parliament between 2015 and 2017, just for for full clarity. Oh, my, my apologies. I yeah, can only yeah. tell you that uh, I will now be sacking all the people that work with me who give no, me no, well, oh, well, I sincerely hope you don't. <laughs> no, of <laughs> course. Well, well, you wouldn't want to break off... Yeah, I mean, part. you wouldn't want to break off diplomatic relations with the independent republic. But, you know, do you, do you get my... I mean, obviously, it's a serious situation, and I certainly don't wish yeah. to see a fellow Briton uh, yeah. incarcerated in, in what would appear to be a rather kind of um, offhand way. However, do you, do you see what I'm saying? That, you know, why should we expect other nations to behave as we do uh, when we quite clearly know that they don't well that's why i was careful about uh, trying to identify the appropriate sanction here right and the mutual defense agreement between ourselves and the uae uh, initially negotiated um by michael portillo back in 1996 mm. uh struck me as the and then reinforced by david cameron um when he was prime minister uh struck me as the appropriate uh signal to send of just how uh, horrified we are by the treatment of Matthew Hedges. It is really, really disgraceful that someone who has gone to do a piece of independent academic work, and if you read, I'm sitting actually right in front of me as a previous paper he wrote for the Middle East Policy Council, a, a very scholarly study uh, of the role of the uh, Muslim Brotherhood and the policy of all the GCC countries towards it, a very independent piece of analysis, uh, no hint of making a case uh, one way or the other, um, uh, that uh, that he should be treated in this utterly appalling uh, way. And he w- was treated appallingly and has been treated appallingly. Yeah. And the sentence is the, is obviously the, uh, the culmination of a, a really quite disgraceful episode. When it needs the intervention of the Foreign Secretary to get a British citizen a mattress, having been in solitary confinement for three months where he's been on some kind of drug regime uh, as well, and then you know things have come to a pretty pass in a relationship with a country with whom we have a mutual defence arrangement. Indeed. But we also have a mutual... Yeah, but, Crispin, we also have a mutual defence arrangement with Saudi Arabia, which doesn't appear to have been... We do not have have a treaty with Saudi Arabia in the way that we do. No, but we have a mutual relationship with them. We sell them arms, uh, we sell them expertise, we sell them advice, we sell them diplomatic relations, we sell them all manner of things, and they've been busy killing people in their own embassy. What we're dealing with here, and there, I mean, there are, we can get into discussion of the, of the shocking and disgraceful murder of Jamal Khashoggi, and uh, what I believe is the only way uh, out for Saudi Arabia, out of that uh, the position that they found themselves in. But, um, but here we're talking about a British citizen, uh, a British doctoral student, uh, doing a, a thoroughly respectable and useful piece of work uh, around the foreign policy of the uh, the UAE, uh, there is 
uh, no record of him taking a view one way or the other on the on the on yeah, but of course, other than a decent piece of academic but, analysis. No, of course, Crispin, but you and I are speaking as Western uh, Democrats, right? We are not speaking as people who are part of but any we government. We are a Western, but we are. But hang on a minute, our our history and that of the UAE are intimately bound up together. Um, the UAE uh, uh, was, if you like, born out of uh, the former British government of the uh, of the yeah, area. But that makes no and difference, surely. The... That makes no difference, Chris. Uh, this is well, a place I mean, where... Except, except, I... except, except the affront here uh, is first to academic freedom, uh, then it's to any sense of justice, and finally it is to the United Kingdom itself. Um, they have... and uh, Is this how you allow your authorities to behave towards a country that has agreed to defend you if you're attacked. Yes, indeed it is, because this is how they operate. I mean, I was first in Dubai in 1994 when I went out there to cover the case of two British citizens who had been arrested and imprisoned for committing adultery, right? Now, that wouldn't happen in this country, but it happened there. The guy I went to see in prison just outside of Dubai was sitting in a cell with about 35 other people, which was made for about 10 people, and it was about 140 degrees Fahrenheit in the shade, right? Now, this is not a country uh, which commits uh, any kind of uh, um, sort of concern for human rights. It doesn't really really care about foreign uh, nationals whatsoever. If you're not an Arab in the United Arab Emirates, they don't think uh, you should have any rights. It's as simple as that. There, there, well, there is a proper uh, a discussion to be had about the merits of their laws. And obviously... We well, not with them, there isn't. Uh, their laws uh, around adultery and, and, and other issues such as same-sex relations ought to be brought into the 21st century. However... Um, a British citizen who has a supposed confession beaten out of him um, uh, in solitary confinement with, uh, uh, with barely any access to lawyers uh, at all yeah, but is, sorry, actually Chris, a, is actually in a different position uh, to where people go and commit offences against uh, the, the laws of the, of the land there. And that's yeah, but, yeah, but Crispin, they what, say... That's what's happened here. Yeah. And the charge being that you're spying for the United Kingdom, that you're spying for a country that is that is wedded to your defence and intimately wedded into the history and fabric of your nation um, is, is, is rightly why the Foreign Secretary is so cross. Yes, but Crispin, the whole point of this, surely, is that they believe that he was spying. Now, whether or not you and I think that that is an outrageous and ridiculous accusation is not the point. The point is, is here is a guy, hang on, here is a guy who's a PhD student. He knows precisely what he's doing. He's going into a, a very volatile country, and you can call it any number of things if you like, but politically speaking, it's volatile. Well, you it's, know... it's, well it's not that volatile. Well, actually. it is. The United is, pre- is, is. is pretty stable, and the authorities there have a pretty good handle on the... Uh, on uh, their internal situation. Well, when I so, say when I say volatile, what I mean is is that it is effectively a dictatorship, okay? Which is not the same as coming to this country and doing so. I mean, you wouldn't send somebody to to Russia uh, and do the things that that Matthew Hedges did in Russia. He would have probably got arrested there. There's a pretty good chance he would have got arrested in China and various other points of the world where democracy is not anything that they're familiar with. They don't like people poking about in their business, and they're perfectly willing, as we've seen, uh, to punish people for doing so. Well, we need to be slightly careful here with these these sweeping statements. Um, There is a very substantial British educational presence in uh, the UAE. There is very substantial uh, professional services, such as law firms, in the UAE. Mm -hmm. And uh, strangely enough, those firms depend uh, on uh, on the rule of law. I suppose at the bottom, you're saying, is one, one of the reasons why 
London and English law is so is so universally successful. Why so many international corporations have their uh, their contracts adjudicated in London? There are there are also plenty of public of ju- administration of justice. Chris, yeah. there are also plenty of public relations firms based in Washington and London that have representations in Saudi Arabia and who are still working for the Saudi Arabian government in the world of PR. But that's not you know that doesn't mean anything in the end. What it means is is that there are people who are willing to do business because it's business with countries which are rather unsavoury. And the fact that we're all getting up in arms because the UAE is very different, and of course it is different from Saudi Arabia up to a point. You know, but the point is, is they are self-determining as a nation. They are not a democracy, uh, whatever you may say. Well, then and they, they are. You're, you're right to say they're self-determining as a nation, and this is which uh, how to behave is going to quite probably have uh, an impact on their relations with the United Kingdom. Now, their relations with the United Kingdom are long and deep and close, um, to the extent that we are a guarantor of their security. And it might be an idea, if they're a dictatorship who can determine all of these things, um, that they think twice about treating our citizens and accusing them of spying for the very country that is going to aid them when they need it. Um, it's obviously utterly absurd. It's an utterly absurd uh, conviction anyway. Um, uh, 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 would the Foreign Secretary be so outraged if you know, our spies report to him? Um, do you really think he's one of them? Well, I've no idea because I'm not in that world, Crispin. I mean, you're more likely to know more about that than I do on the, on the committees that you sit. But, I mean, are you concerned, for example, that the uh, the family of Matthew Hedges and his fiance in particular has had a go at Jeremy Hunt, saying that he was not robust enough in the first place in dealing with this and that it should never have got to this stage? Well, I think it's, a, I think it's a, an entirely legitimate criticism that the consular services available to Matthew Hedges in the UAE uh, don't appear to have appreciated the gravity of the situation uh, early enough, and I r- rather hope and anticipate that it won't be a mistake that they repeat. And she's—I agree with her in her, her criticism. Uh, and the whole situation is frankly an utter disaster uh, for the for the UAE and for UAE-British British relations. Um, but, but we're going to have to deal very firmly with this. Now, apparently, staff at Birmingham University are due to vote today on an academic boycott of a £100 million Dubai campus. Now, that tells you all you need to know about why business is at the very forefront of all of this. You know, and I find it rather grubby uh, that we're only concerned, really, with this because of the business aspects of it. Because what the hell is Birmingham University doing with a, a Dubai campus in the first place? Well, this is In a country you like get, that? This is, well, like, this is where we're going to need to get into the complexity of the politics of the Emirates. Because uh, Dubai, as a uh, as an emirate within the United Arab Emirates, has a rather different set of interests to Abu Dhabi, and the direction on which UAE uh, policies, foreign policy, is, is being taken, which is led by the, uh, the the Crown Prince of the Emirates, who is from Abu Dhabi. Well, Abu Dhabi is the capital, uh, has, isn't it? Uh, yes, and Abu Dhabi is the emirate with the most uh, with the most oil wealth, so it tends therefore to to. Uh, to, to dominate the external policy of the uh, of the Emirates, but you only have to read the history. The history, indeed, written by Matthew Hedges in his excellent article uh, uh, published last year about the relationship between the different Emirates and the uh, and, and the Muslim Brotherhood and how the, the complexity of the state of affairs there. I suspect there's a very different attitude uh, in the Maktoum family uh, ruling Dubai. Uh, than there is uh, within within the family ruling Abu Dhabi, and that's all part of the of the of the complexity of our relationship with the Emirates, 
and indeed the importance of it, because Dubai is obviously an immensely important international centre. Well, all I ever see, though, uh, Crispin, is is us kind of kowtowing to anything that any emirate does, that any ruling family of one of these countries does, because they've got so much money. It's as simple as that. And now we're all being very, very hypocritical, I think, by sitting around saying, oh, I can't believe they've done that. These people do what the hell they like, Crispin. I mean, that's the point. And surely Mr Hedges should know that. But Hedges should know that better than anybody, shouldn't he? Uh, I don't think they do. I think if you if, if you turn the board around and uh, examine uh, the perspective from the from the other side, I don't think they quite have the same freedom um, uh, that, you, that you believe they have. Uh, the, the politics of the region and the, uh, are complex, and the currents that the uh, rulers of, of the uh, particularly the Gulf countries, who are historically very friendly towards the United Kingdom, uh, have to manage. Uh, our currents that could sweep them away. Uh, hence the, well, they do, the, but also hence, Saudi, hence, Saudi, hence, Saudi Arabia has been using British arms, amongst others, to bomb the hell out of the Yemen uh, for all sorts of complicated and very complex reasons. I understand that, that the Iranians are backing the rebels and all of that. However, you know, we do not get all up in arms about that. Well, nobody I've heard in the Houses of Parliament complaining about uh, the Yemen bombings that's been going on and the starvation tactics well, that are being well, used. Well, you haven't been in the same debates I've been in. I can assure you there are an awful lot of people complaining about the... Uh, the conduct of Saudi policy in uh, in, in Yemen, uh, a lot of it. Well, is, have you called for an end to mili- have you called for an end to military cooperation with them, Crispin? Um, I've taken a slightly different view, which really? is supporting the international community's um, uh, support of the Saudi coalition trying to restore. So that's uh, a no, then. Yemen in the face in the face of a. Of, of well, the, hang on. So you uh, haven't, rebe- in other rebe- well, yeah, but you haven't. So you haven't no, called know, for an end to military cooperation. No, uh, uh, no, I haven't. But, you, um, but you're calling for it. But you're calling for it now in the face of a Britain uh, who has I'm been put in prison. For, I'm calling for. I'm calling for a uh, a, a focused um, attention on the mutual defence treaty with, that we have with the UAE uh, to, for that to be considered as a uh, retaliatory measure um, if Matthew Hedges is not released. Um, in the very near future. And what will be the consequence of your call for that? And what would be the immediate effect if, in fact, it was granted? I would hope that it would uh, open the minds of the UAE. They've just lost a member of the Permanent Fire Security Council who had been um, treaty-bound to come to their defence. But what would it mean for, for this country if we broke off military relations with the UAE? Well, we have, in terms of our interest in the Gulf, there are, there are uh, if we needed to move from the bases we have in uh, in the UAE, it's quite clear that the Omanis and the Qataris and the Bahrainis, I suspect, we're more than happy to pick up the slack. OK. Well, Crispin, listen, good luck with it, because, as I said, I do not wish to see a British national being locked up in Dubai. However, uh, I do think we need to be very careful about how we proceed with this. Crispin Blunt, thank you very much indeed. Uh, MP, of course, he's calling for an end uh, to military cooperation between the United Arab Emirates uh, and the United Kingdom. Uh, he has also just uh, confirmed there to us that he has not called uh, for an end to military cooperation between the United Kingdom and Saudi Arabia, despite the fact that they've murdered a journalist in an embassy and despite the fact that they continue a bombing campaign of innocent civilians in the Yemen. Funny old world, isn't it? This is Talk Radio. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. You can join in the conversation, of course. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number to get through to Talk Radio. Now, as if uh, the cycle lanes and the cyclists filming the, the drivers is not bad enough, uh, we've now got a whole load of demonstrations. Climate activists causing serious disruption to rush our traffic in London. There's going to be a series of what they call swarming roadblocks at several different locations around the capital uh, from about 8 o'clock in the morning uh, at various points between now. Now on Christmas, we're going to talk now to George Barder, uh, who's the spokesman for Extinction Rebellion, uh, which is the organisation responsible for all of this. George, very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Now, uh, you call yourselves Extinction Rebellion. Is that, are you talking about the human race's extinction? Um, uh, p- potentially, if we carry on much longer as we are. Um, I mean, it, it, it seemed a, a, a somewhat um, a serendipitous event that the big report from World Wildlife Fund came out um, within two days of our campaign starting about the giant extinction crisis across the world, about how much of the, the rest of life on the planet we've wiped out in the last 40 years. And the headline conclusion with, um, to that um, was that this is a threat to human civilization on the level of climate change. And I think as, as many people have woken up to just in the last couple of years with the sheer kind of cascade of disasters across the world, this is not some problem we can put off for our grandchildren. This is something that's happening across the world to hundreds of millions of people in the form of droughts and floods and typhoons. And all it was a bit unfair blaming people driving work. across Lambeth Bridge, though, isn't it, George? Oh, it's absolutely not their fault. And, and you know, I... Personally, and, and as a movement, absolutely, we do not want to be disrupting people's already busy, stressful lives, especially in an economic environment where people get, you know, people get hit for not being able to make their delivery on time and all the rest of it. We absolutely do not want to be doing this. But the, the fact of the matter is that government has talked about this issue as if they take our children's future seriously for 25 years. And over that time, not only have they, have they sort of not moved us in the right direction at, at the speed that the science requires, we have actually amplified the problem you know these governments get together every single year and they talk about they take climate change seriously and the carbon emissions are up 60 percent um over those 25 years and so so yeah but carbon emissions are up 60 percent worldwide aren't they they're not up 60 percent in this country because we have got a series of uh, units in place particularly in recent years and we were just talking george about the new cycle lanes and the fact that there's millions and millions of pounds going into helping people to work uh, go to work more more sensibly to walk rather than to drive cars to get into bikes rather than uh, pay loads of taxes to drive cars you know to not get into diesel cars there's a there's a fuel tax on flying from this country you know there's all kinds of things that have been brought in so parts of the world are doing better than others 
That, that's certainly true. The, the problem is that, I mean, for, for a start, this government, I mean, George Osborne famously said in 2012, cut the green crap. Um, they couldn't really get away with that until they took the Lib, Lib Dems. Well, now he's cutting down thousands of trees on a daily basis, though, to uh, edit the evening standards. So, I mean, he's not a very good example, is he? He's not even in government anymore. Well, well I, mean, I, I think the simple fact of the matter is that our lives are set up in a way not not at all, you know, uh, for, um, not at all because of what individuals want, but our lives are set up in such a way that most of the things we do are unwittingly contributing to the destruction of the world, the, the decent, safe, secure world we all want to give to our children. And, and the point is, I think what we've seen for, for those 25 years is kind of steps put in place that seem to imply that we're taking this seriously. Um, but the really terrifying thing, and this was really brought out at the beginning of August when a, a report came out in one of the most respected scientific journals in, in the world, and it was known as the Hot House Earth Report, and that's about the feedbacks that we have in the climate change system, i.e. elements of this problem that have their own momentum and so the simple fact is that the geophysics of this mean mean that we are i mean to quote the the secretary general of the un last month he said we are careening towards the abyss on climate change right. what's he doing about absent it major thing absent have major you, change have you been to the un 20 have you been to the don't raise your voice George. have you been to the un recently uh, I haven't been to the UN. Right. One the of the UN. most There's wasteful organisations on the planet, right? They've got this I massive, know. old-fashioned uh, skyscraper building in Manhattan. Uh, none of the people that work there pay any tax. None of the cars that they drive around did pay any tax. And they don't even pay any parking tickets. I mean, they are an ab- absolute shambles of an organisation that's done nothing for the world apart from you know, completely and utterly destabilise it. If, if we had two hours to discuss the deficiencies of the UN, I'd be very happy to get Yeah, well, don't quote them as some great sort of arbiter of sense, because they're not. No, no, the, the, the point is that one of the one of the good things that the UN has done in the last 25 years is convene thousands of scientists across the world in the biggest scientific endeavour yeah. of all time yeah, and, from and, numerous different disciplines. And, and the simple fact is that we do have a clear picture of what is going on with climate change. And the fact is that our government is reversing the very things that we should be doing more That's of. not true. Um, Our government isn't, George, but I'll tell you I'll tell you which governments are doing that. The Chinese government is doing it. So what I suggest you do is take your motley collection of characters from Lambert. The Chinese Chinese government is contributing massively to the greenhouse effect, which is a phrase you don't hear anymore, because of the number of coal-fired power stations they're building, the number of airports (laughs) that they're building, hang on, and the number of roads that they're building, because as the country becomes more wealthy, people want more stuff. They want more air conditioning machines, they want more cars, they want more buses, they want more planes. They want more flights out of uh, Shanghai Airport. This is what's happening. So basically in China, that is massively increasing the the, the effect of global warming and climate change. So what you should do is take your motley collection of... No, take your motley collection of students from South London, take them to Shanghai, take them to Beijing, and lie on the road there and see what happens to you. You've touched on it. You've touched on a really, really important point here, and that brings me back precisely to why the UK government and the rich world governments generally need to do much more. For a start, the the, the key kind of lie across Europe is that we've basically exported our manufacturing. To, to a large extent to China and then turn around and call those China's emissions. China, and this is a sort of depressing reflection on what we've been doing in Europe and in, in, in the UK certainly in the last five years, they are investing £690 billion more pounds in renewable energy between now and 2020. Their last two five-year plans have put, have put renewable energy front and centre and they've brought the price of renewable energy down about 500%, which is why it's really competitive across the world. 
Um, and so absolutely, China is, is a very big part of this picture. But, but China are, is not a poor country, they George. Us. It's not a poor Sorry, country. You can't talk about the rich West versus China. China's got more money than we've got. They own all the debt no, in the United States. Go, go online per capita. They are they are number eighty in terms of in terms of wealth per. Don't person. tell me to go they online, mate. For God's sake. Yeah, they're not. Well, they're, yeah, but they're a developing country, but they're an incredibly wealthy country. That's the point. They're not just they're not just manufacturing stuff and selling it to us. Their country is getting richer. Do you know, for example, in India, as that country gets richer, more and more people can afford air conditioning machines. So they're now getting air conditioning machines, pumping more and more freon into the atmosphere, which is very bad for the climate. However, I don't ever hear people like you complaining about that. No, 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 absolutely. You'd rather they lived in poverty. India's. India's per capita emissions are fractional compared to ours and to China's indeed. And because about well, thank God for that, because there's, there's several billion really, people. Really well, there's several billion people there living, George. I mean, if they had the same, you know, uh, pumping out the same uh, energy emissions as we do, then obviously they would probably be killing the rest of us and the rest of the planet. But the well, bottom, exactly. the bottom line is, George, we have a right to pump out more emissions per person than they do. It's not a question of that. I think you. What I'm saying to you, George. What I'm saying to you, George, is that you should go and demonstrate in the places where you. should should be demonstrating, which is in China, where they have no regard for climate change, where they couldn't give a stuff about the fact that the planet might be dying. And instead, you decide because it's a bit closer to where you live in some squat in South London, you can lie on the the road in Lambeth. I live in a squat in South London. Where do you live? I live in a flat in North London. Well, I hope hope you don't use electricity, George, because that's causing the death of the planet. No, no, of course we all use electricity. This is not about blaming individuals for a problem. This is about recognising that the powers that be, because as most people know, you know, they are hugely influenced by powerful interests such as the fossil fuel industry. Yeah, and the cycling industry as well. Have you looked down Blackfriars Road recently? ...without bringing about anything like what our children require to have a safe and secure future. Have you got any children, George? This is not a political football. I do have a very beautiful four-year-old. Good. Well, I'm sure that that she will need to be raised and, and brought up in the correct way. Uh, which I'm sure you will tell her does not include lying down in front of cars, which might run over you and kill you. Well, I mean, he, he, he's a he for, oh, is he? for, for what it's worth. Okay, um, but you're not what, called Jesse, is he? What I think he's already understood is that whether it's you know women's rights or workers' rights, or civil rights or weekends, you know, any of the things we take for granted, unfortunately, the powers that be have, have never generally kind of offered progressive change at the goodness of their hearts. You know, the powers that be are you know the governments are usually influenced by those with power and money until normal people get together and force uh-huh. positive change. So how do you reckon they, they got to spend a billion pounds on cycle lanes politics. in London? And who caused them to do that, George? Oh, no, no, I think that I'm not saying there aren't really positive steps. I, th- I think the sort of tragedy of the world at the moment is that there are so many positive things going on on the outside of the central problem, um, which is that we are still digging up virtually all available fossil fuels across the planet. And, and we've been taught to basically project this problem onto places like India and China, which, of course, are a big part of the problem. But one of the main reasons is that India isn't moving faster um, to, to kind of leapfrog the, the fossil fuels that we've been burning for 200 years and got rich off um, is because we haven't been sharing the technology in the way that we should. The, the India have got a space programme, George. Um, yeah, India yeah, no, go no, into I, space. They've I'm got plenty of technology. No, we've no shared way. loads of technology with them. No, we, we really haven't. I mean, I suggest to people they can watch Al Gore's Inconvenient Sequel do, movie. Do you, know yeah, that, they, they, do you know that an inconvenient truth was ruled that it could not be shown in schools because it had so many lies in it by a judge in this country? I, I, I mean, you whatever, do know that, right? Whatever may be the case about that film, what has become extremely... So you admit that the that film, film has got loads time. of errors in it then, right? I, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to get into that. There Why not? Very, very Why don't you want to get into it? 
but because because this will be a diversion for your listeners. Oh, right. Give them the impression that there's some doubt. You know about my the listeners, do you? Climate change. There is no, except unless you're Donald Trump, there is no meaningful doubt that climate change is caused by the enormous amount of of carbon that we are pumping into the atmosphere. And by the way, it's not just the fossil fuel industry. It's the way we produce our food. I mean, you may want to slag off the UN for inefficiency, but they have done a lot of good scientific work. Um, really? Which gives a fairly, you know, a very credible scientific picture of where we actually are. Uh-huh. And the reality is we need, I mean, to quote the IPCC report that came out recently into the very concrete and catastrophic differences between a 1.5 degree rise, which we're pretty much committed to anyway, and a 2 degree rise, it makes very, very clear that we cannot afford as a world to go to two degrees. And, and their report said that we need rapid, far-reaching and unprecedented changes to every aspect of our society um, before 2030. When's your the next jamboree, George? Palming us, palming us off with small changes that look as if we're moving in the right direction. And they've been doing it for 25 years and it just does not match the science right, that okay. children need us okay. to relate to. Well, I'm sorry we haven't and, got time and, to discuss the hockey stick graph disaster. and the fraud committed by several people from the University of East Anglia uh, on the rest of the world. But tell us when your next jamboree is, George, so we can all avoid it. Um, so, so, I mean, there are going to be actions here and, and uh, we hope across the world, and there are lots of signs that that is happening. This isn't just about the UK government, um, but, but we are determined to force this issue onto the agenda right. to the point where the government actually have to account for it because our children... And if people who are listening to this disagree with me and agree with you, George, can they fund Extinction Rebellion? Can they send you money? If they like, I mean, we're a grassroots organisation. We don't have we don't have big funding or anything like that. But the other thing, by the way, of course, even if there was no climate change, tens of millions of children, I mean, certainly millions in this country alone, have asthma, and and any family that is dealing with that knows that uh-huh. that is a life and death horrible thing, and that is just one of the other consequences of not shifting to renewable energy. Right. It's funny how nobody had asthma when we were pumping out all sorts of black smoke from our chimneys. But we've got to run, George. Uh, George Barder, their spokesperson for Extinction Rebellion. Uh, which he says is a grassroots organisation, not uh, with funding from anybody else. But uh, they do do a lot of lying down in the road. Uh, you don't want to uh, go anywhere near them if they are doing that, because it's very dangerous. In fact, the police say it will be illegal uh, to try and run through any groups of protesters. But again, the police making a massive I- issue here and a massive error, I think, by allowing this stuff to go ahead, because people will get tempers frayed and bad things will happen. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 0344 uh, is the number. Coming up, we're going to be talking talking to Mike Ward, a TV critic for the Daily Star and the Daily Express, about I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. First, though, let's go back to the phones, because Dan uh, is in the Cotswolds, wants to talk about climate change. Hello, Dan. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Very well indeed, sir. What would you like to say? Good. I'm just wondering why it's never mentioned that carbon dioxide is about 0.05% of the Earth's atmosphere and somehow drives all this climate change. Right. Well, that's a very uh, good question. I'm afraid I can't answer it, but maybe you can. Well, it just it just it doesn't seem to work. Uh, it's been proved that carbon dioxide tends to uh, follow temperature as opposed to the other way around, as in the inconvenient truth. Um, you've got the sun, which uh, gives us uh, photons for eight minutes it takes, and I can feel I'm sitting in a field. I can feel the sun's warmth. Yeah. We've just gone through a new solar cycle, and a lot of it's down to sunspot activity. Mm. So we're now in a new solar cycle. We're getting the cold, colder temperatures. We're getting the seasons because the jet streams are where they're supposed to be. And all this is just ignored. They, mm. change, they change it. It's global warming. No, it's climate change. They just, claim, they just sort of claim different words and that we all don't understand. 
When 97% tell me the science is done, that makes me very nervous. Well, I agree with you. I agree with you totally, Dan, because the problem is, right, that we are confronted by these kind of climate change maniacs, as I call them, uh, with so-called facts, you know, and then they start quoting organisations like the United Nations, which, as I pointed out uh, to George, is a completely discounted and and ridiculed organisation as far as most sensible people are concerned. Yeah, I thought I thought you went very easy on him. Uh, he, he I'm very disturbed a... that people are saying this to me, you know, and I'm going to have to sharpen my game up, I think. <laughs> I think when someone throws Trump in at you, oh, if you're a climate denier, yeah. you always denier, mm. like uh, they denied that the uh, Earth went round the sun. Right. It's always a denier, and, that, oh, no, you must be, uh, they somehow level you with Trump. Yes. Uh, just because you don't believe what they believe. Right. But, but the facts are very simple, and um, that is... That it's it's solar driven. Yeah. It's, it's all solar driven. You, you've got a massive amount of energy coming from there. And what these people don't seem to understand when they talk about renewable energy is that the amount of renewable energy, say solar cells, that you would require to perform or give you the same amount of energy as a barrel of oil is about the size of a small town. Yes. Well, I mean, also for to, for them to say things like, you know, we haven't done enough in this country and the speed at which we are combating climate change is not fast enough. I mean, I can give you any number of examples. I mean, I was on a train up north not long ago and you go through some part of, I think it's Cambridgeshire on the East Coast main line, and there's a massive field which is full of thousands and thousands of solar panels. Now, I don't know what heat that provides for, for the, the neighbouring region, probably not very much. Similarly, there are these wind turbines all over the place. There are wind turbines in the middle of the sea you know we've got uh, the only fuel tax in the world if you fly out of any british airport that you have to pay as a, as a subsidy we pay subsidies to our um, electricity and power companies in order to go green we pay huge amounts of tax on diesel and fuel and every other kind of oil that we have to use for heating our homes you know the idea that somehow we're not doing enough is nonsense no, it's, it's crazy. The chap next door to me is building a new house and they have to fit some form of renewable energy on a new build. Right. So he's got to stick solar cells on his garage opposite. And I, listen, so I, I don't have a problem with that, Dan. I just don't want to hear from people who want more that we're not doing enough. No, I, I listen, I don't have a problem with it, but the guy had to spend five grand that he wouldn't have normally spent. It's not, it's, look, the battery, the battery capacity that we have today is pretty much, we're where the Wright brothers were compared to a 747. The battery technology, in order to be able to hold on to the power that's created by these renewables, is so far ahead of our time, uh, even capacitors, that if they were to introduce this, as they wish to do, it would put us into a low-energy society. Mm. I mean, it, it, it is detrimental to where we are as a Western society and a country. Um, it, it's absolutely crazy. It really I, I don't is. know where they get their facts from, because it, it just seems to be this emotive, no, we're right, you're wrong. Yes. I mean, you only have to look at the great global warming swindle, which Channel 4 did before they became terribly woke. Mm. Um, and it, it's it's real. You've got the guys uh, ex Greenpeace that are saying no. This is just transformed. We went into it with the best of intentions, when we actually found out that the facts went against the grain of where this movement was going. We 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 left or we were ousted, and it just seems to be, as far as I can see, a trillion dollar scam. Look, Mike, I'll finish on one thing. Go on. The Ro- the Romans used to wear coal. 
as jewellery. They didn't understand the technology because they didn't have the technology to be... Well, they didn't have the understanding of what was available to them. Mm. Humans are extremely resourceful, extremely bright. That Blue Planet thing showed up what we're doing with plastic, and I think everyone agrees that plastic, we need to change. Yes. But, but as for this climate, uh, this climate change, it just seems to be... I don't know, an absurdity. It really does. Well, it's a very fashionable uh, obsession to have, I think, and, 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 and the idea, unfortunately for me, that it means that it creates an awful lot of tax and an awful lot of income for governments suggests that there's something wrong with it. Dan, I really appreciate your call. Dan in the Cotswolds, thanks very much indeed. Coming up, uh, we're going to talk about a very, very interesting story uh, from a, a very, very uh, remote island in the Bay of Bengal, uh, North Sentinel Island. It's controlled by India, the Andaman Islands, in fact. Uh, an American guy went over there uh, without taking the heed of people who said you mustn't go to this particular island. He went and visited the island and the indigenous people uh, have now killed him. Uh, We're going to find out from Sophie Grigg precisely what that story is all about coming up next on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1 Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344-499-1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 